Well, good morning again. In our, um, in our current series of God and the Movies, as you know, I've been suggesting to you that we, uh, one way at least, that we can engage people in a discussion about God or what it means to be a Christian is through even secular movies. Go figure. Our culture is fascinated with movies, and the stories we find in movies provide valuable windows in what it means to be human, both good and bad. And because our God, God, is into what it means to be human too, movies present almost a common ground opportunity at least to point people to God. And you know, when we use cultural fascination with movies to point to God, we are a whole lot like the Apostle Paul who used cultural fascination even with idols to point people in Athens to God. So we're in excellent company with the Apostle Paul this morning. Today we're looking at delightful movie, the movie called Up. And how might Up be used to point people up, I guess, toward God and a biblical worldview? What might Up have to teach us about Christian life? And as I watched Up several times again this past couple of weeks, I thought one theme in particular stands out. And in a word, that theme is adventure. The movie opens with a newsreel report called Spotlight on Adventure. And in it, explorer Charles Muntz declares, Adventure is out there! And then Charles is seen in his dirigible, his blimp, Uh, One coffee token for the first person after the service who tells me the difference between a dirigible and a blimp, other than the fact that dirigible is much more fun to say than blimp. And we see Charles Muntz getting off of his dirigible, and his dirigible's name, go figure, is Spirit of Adventure. Hmm. Maybe the movie's trying to push something. And... Ellie's photo album, which, as you'll see in a minute, is pivotal to the plot of the movie. Her album is called My Adventure Book. And so it seems to me Up goes out of its way to stress adventure, adventure, adventure. So let's run with that a bit this morning. It has been said, many of you have heard, I'm sure, life is an adventure. And I doubt many, if any, here this morning would disagree with that. Life is indeed an adventure. But have you ever thought about what makes life an adventure, do you think? I looked at many different definitions of the word adventure, and I found words like exciting, wild, gamble, risky, and even dangerous, defining the word adventure. One definition in particular I thought caught adventure as well as any. Adventure is taking a risk in the hope of a favorable outcome. Taking a risk in the hope of a favorable outcome. When we take a risk in the hope of a favorable outcome, well, we're on an adventure. And if that's what adventure is, then what do you think makes life an adventure? What's the risk that we take in life? 
And what's the favorable outcome that we're hoping for? What makes life an adventure? So we'll keep that question in mind this morning. What makes life an adventure? But now, before we dive into up in more detail, now comes the moment that everyone is no doubt eagerly anticipating. It's finally here. It's time for John and Manda's summary of the movie Up. Let's watch. Here's everything you need to know about Up in 6 minutes, 39 seconds. Meet Carl Fredrickson. He loves adventure. Here's his hero, Charles Muntz. He's a little narcissistic. Carl loves pretending he's Charles Muntz. So does this girl, Ellie. You and me, we're in a club now. That's how they become fast friends. Carl gives Ellie a solemn oath that someday he'll take her on an adventure to Paradise Falls. As it turns out, Ellie and Carl adventure through all of life together. Through marriage, through homeownership, through travels, through infertility, through financial strife. Finally, Carl finds the money to buy tickets to Paradise Falls. But it's too late. Ellie dies before they get to leave. It's okay to cry at this part. Everyone does. Now alone, Carl struggles through life without Ellie. He's alone, and he's rather grumpy, even to Russell. Good afternoon. My name is Russell, and I am a wilderness explorer in Tribe 54, Sweat Lodge 12. Are you in need of any assistance today, sir? No. A contractor's nightmare, Carl is the last holdout in a city development plan. Carl gets upset when a tractor runs into his mailbox. He hits the worker who tries to help him fix his mailbox with his cane. The contractors have a case against him. He's labeled a public menace and committed to a local retirement home. Carl refuses to leave his house. The retirement home employees come to take him away. He reveals his escape plan. Countless helium balloons fill the sky. The house is lifted from its base. Carl has evaded the inevitable. But Carl has an unexpected house guest, Russell. Carl tries to take him back home, but they encounter a storm. They land in South America near Paradise Falls, and they don't even have GPS. Carl is determined to move the house to the edge of Paradise Falls, just as he and Ellie had dreamed. While making a pit stop on the way to the falls, Russell spots tracks. He follows the tracks and discovers a colorful bird, which he names Kevin. Kevin leaves them, and they continue dragging the house toward Paradise Falls. On the way, they encounter a talking dog named Doug. Hi there. (gasps) Did that dog just say hi there? Oh, yes. My name is Doug. I have just met you, and I love you. His job is to track Kevin, but he's not very good at it. Now joined by Doug and Kevin, Carl and Russell continue on their way to Paradise Falls. During a heart-to-heart, Carl learns more of Russell's story. You've been camping before, haven't you? Well, never outside. Well, why didn't you ask your dad how to build a tent? I don't think he wants to talk about this stuff. Why don't you try him sometime? Maybe he'll surprise you. Well, he's away a lot. I don't see him much. He's got to be home sometime. Well, I called, but Phyllis told me I bug him too much. Phyllis? 
You call your own mother by her first name? Phyllis isn't my mom. Oh. How times have changed. In the morning, the team discovers an important fact about Kevin. What is it doing? The bird is calling to her babies. Her babies. Kevin's a girl. Kevin leaves to care for her young, just as Doug's fellow bird tracking friends show up. They're not as nice as he is. Doug, Carl, and Russell are escorted by the pack to the dog's master. As it turns out, he is none other than Charles Muntz, now much older. I'm Carl Fredrickson. My wife and I, we were your biggest fans. You're a man of good taste. (laughs) There's that narcissism. Charles invites them into his blimp for dinner. Doug is left outside to wear the cone of shame, the worst dishonor a dog can suffer. At first, Charles seems happy for the company, but quickly demonstrates his paranoia. He reveals he is searching for a living specimen of a large bird. When Russell mentions he has seen the bird, Charles threatens the pair, and they barely escape Charles' blimp. They elude the army of dogs and make it outside. Carl makes it his single goal to move the house to Paradise Falls before the helium is all lost. Charles follows them and captures Kevin. Carl refuses to help her. Russell leaves Carl to save Kevin on his own. Carl discovers a final message Ellie left for him. He takes off in his house again, but this time to save Russell and Kevin. Once he reaches the blimp, he engages Charles in old man combat. Carl wins, but loses his house in the fight. Together with Doug and Russell, Carl frees Kevin to care for her young. Doug, Russell, and Carl fly the blimp back home. Russell finally receives his badge for helping the elderly. Carl's there too, and bestows on Russell a whole different caliber of award. Russell, for assisting the elderly, and for performing above and beyond the call of duty. I would like to award you the highest honor I can bestow. The Ellie Badge. Wow. Russell, Carl, and Doug spend their days together having brand new adventures. Back in South America, Carl and Ellie's house rests beside Paradise Falls. It's okay to cry at this part. Everyone does. <laughs> yeah, well done. As you just saw, Carl and Ellie have plans for a great adventure to go and see Paradise Falls and even make their home there. With a little encouragement from Ellie, Carl, even as a boy, crosses his heart and promises he'll take her there. But as life together as husband and wife unfolds, they never quite get around to going. And then suddenly, as you saw, it's too late, and Carl and Ellie Fredrickson never make it together to Paradise Falls. What, um, what I'm about to show you now 
is, in my opinion, as great a four minutes as you'll ever see in any movie ever. It's that good. We see Carl and Ellie's life together all without a single spoken word. Join in their story a bit. Let's watch.
rats. I told myself, I'm going to get through it this time without tearing up. And it's a cartoon. Incredible sequence, isn't it? Why is, why is that sequence, do you think, so touching? It is to everyone I ask. Is it, um, is it the love and tenderness, the good humor, the connection that Carl and Ellie have that touches us? Is it a husband and wife weathering life's storms, everything from a flat tire to the devastating news that they can't have children of their own? Is it their simple and humble life together, including their shared work at the local zoo? Or does this scene touch us so, because it captures so well the human story for so many people, the, the human story in four short minutes. We're born, we meet someone and marry, we work, we face the issue at least of children, and, and then eventually we die. Is that what calls us so longingly to this summary of Carl and Ellie's life together. Oh, oh, I know, I know that story, or at least pieces of it. I, I know that story well. That, that, that's mine. Maybe all of those things at once and more. Whatever the reason or reasons, the scene is impressive. It, it, it strikes a deep chord and almost everyone I've spoken to about it. And And you know, for all the love and the tenderness and strength in the story of Carl and Ellie's life together, and while it's deeply meaningful for us to live along with them and their story for even those few precious cinematic minutes, it's interesting too, isn't it, that this scene is also in the end overwhelmingly sad. There's a profound sadness as Carl gets to his feet and and, and walks back into his house at night, alone now, absentmindedly, still tugging along that blue balloon, and then softly shutting the door behind him as it all fades to black. It's sad. And we'll come back to that. The photo album that Ellie makes to record her upcoming adventures, Stuff I'm Going to Do, she calls that part of her album. Ellie's album keeps popping up throughout the movie, and, and the movie uses that album to beg us to hear. The movie pleads with us through that album to take to heart one powerful lesson in particular in my opinion. And that lesson is this. Even the ordinary, normal, mundane things of life are also a great adventure. In this next clip, Russell 
is trying to help Carl, Carl realize this. And Carl makes progress, but he doesn't fully get that. Not until he finally reaches his lifelong dream of planting his house next to Paradise Falls, only to realize that it doesn't feel like he's accomplished anything grand at all. And at that moment of not feeling fulfilled at all, at that moment, Ellie, through her album, speaks one last time to her downcast husband through a part of her album Carl hasn't seen before, that stuff I'm going to do part. And Carl finally learns this very valuable lesson. Even the ordinary in life is a grand adventure. Let's watch. My dad, he used to come to all my sweat lodge meetings. And afterwards, we'd go get ice cream at Fenton's. I always get chocolate and he gets butterbrickle. Then we sit on this one curb right outside, and I'll count all the blue cars and he counts all the red ones. That might sound boring, but I think the boring stuff is the stuff I remember the most. precious, precious gift that Ellie gives her husband that day. 
She thanks him for their adventure together, tells him he was her grand adventure, their life together, an adventure that satisfied her as much as getting to Paradise Falls didn't satisfy Carl. And as this finally sinks into Carl, Carl is reborn. The past loses its grip on him. And he suddenly and finally is able to focus on where he's needed now, in the present. And oh, my friends, the gift of being able to live fully in the present is priceless. Jesus captures the value of living in the present when he gives this advice. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow's going to worry about itself. Each day has trouble enough of his own. A perplexing passage for health and wealthers, by the way. And, and it's been said that living in the past invites depression. Living in the future invites anxiety. And living in the past and future only invites neglecting living in the present. And maybe we can add this this morning. Living in the present invites amazing, fulfilling adventure. In highlighting the importance of living in the present, one author, Dan Custer, eagerly puts it this way. Every morning, Dan writes, is a fresh beginning. Every day is the world made new. Today is a new day. Today is my world made new. I have lived my life up to this moment to come to this day. And this moment and this day is as good as any moment in all eternity. And I shall make of this day, each moment of this day, a heaven on earth. This is my day of opportunity. And I'll add, so help me God. Oh, well said. Finally, I just love the sheer delight that this movie takes in showing us the blessing of children. A blessing highlighted for us when the movie invites us in to feel, along with Carl and Ellie, the ache of discovering they can't have kids. And while kids bless us in so many ways, there's one way in this movie in particular, I think, that trumpets throughout the entire picture given its theme of adventure. And it's really the same message I've already laid out. Kids are not only an adventure themselves, but children persistently, relentlessly remind us that even the ordinary in life is an adventure. And one way children remind us of this is they nearly force us to embrace adventure by living in the present. Russell helps Carl rediscover, as kids help us all rediscover, if we let them, that childlike faith that revels in the trust of living life in the right now. One philosopher notes this about kids and about us. Children have neither a past nor a future. Thus, they enjoy the present, which seldom happens to us. And Russell, oh my word, while small in stature, he is no small exception to that truth. He just refuses to let Carl Ignore the present. Let's watch. 
Schneider lens. Photo printer. SD card. Good afternoon. My name is Russell, and I am a wilderness explorer in Tribe 54, Sweat Lodge 12. Are you in need of any assistance today, sir? No. Proceed. Good afternoon. Let's skip to the end. See these? These are my Wilderness Explorer badges. You may notice one is missing. It's my assisting the elderly badge. So you want to assist an old person? Yep. Then I'll be a senior Wilderness Explorer. You ever heard of a snipe? Snipe? Bird. Beady eyes. Every night it sneaks in my yard and gobbles my poor azaleas. I'm elderly and infirm. I can't catch it. If only someone could help me. Me, me! I'll do it! Oh, I don't know. It's awfully crafty. You'd have to clap your hands three times to lure it in. I'll find the Mr. Fredrickson! I think it's Burroughs two blocks down. If you two go blocks past... down, got it! Snipey, snipey. Bring it back here when you find it. GPS. GP what? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be lost. Oops. Now, we're gonna walk to the falls quickly and quietly with no rap music or flash dancing. We have three days at best before the helium leaks out of those balloons. Whoa. And if we're not at the falls when that happens, sand. we're not getting to the falls. I found sand! <laughs> Mr. Fredrickson, if we happen to get separated, use the Wilderness Explorer call. 
Kids call us to the present. I think my favorite, Carl's going to lay it out. Okay, we're going to walk to that thing and there's going to be no, what'd they say? Rap dancing or flash, whatever. <laughs> and he's laying it out and, and Russell, I found sand! They're just so into the now. And it's a blessing that God gives us for kids to remind us of that. When, um, when Jesus eagerly invites children to come to him and when he teaches that we all need to become like children to even enter the kingdom of heaven. I wonder if part of what Jesus has in mind is that trusting nature of kids to live in the life right now, to live in each moment of life. Russell certainly reminds Carl of this. I, I know my own kids do too. Do this for me too. At least they try. It's it's way too easy for me to allow the past to continue to haunt or control my life or to be so caught up in planning the future that I overlook or neglect living right now life to the, possible, the fullest possible measure today. Kids bless us in this way. They call us to now, demand really that we engage now. When Carl finally realizes that there's no time like the present to fully embrace life, he is a new man. In C.S. Lewis's words, Carl finally finds a cause other than himself. Russell finally reaches him. Carl is finally touched by Russell's own story of pain, too. In his case, a broken home and a severely strained relationship with his dad. And then finally, touched by empathy and love, Carl rolls up his sleeves. And life's adventure today, right now, begins again for him. Let's watch as Carl hears Russell's hurt and then reacts when Russell needs him right now. There. All done. That's for you. You've been camping before, haven't you? Well, never outside. Well, why didn't you ask your dad how to build a tent? I don't think he wants to talk about this stuff. Why don't you try him sometime? Maybe he'll surprise you. Well, he's away a lot. I don't see him much. He's got to be home sometime. Well, I called, but Phyllis told me I bug him too much. Phyllis? You call your own mother by her first name? Phyllis isn't my mom. Oh. What? He promised he'd come to my explorer ceremony to pin on my assisting the elderly badge. So he can show me about tents then, right?
Hey, um, why don't you get some sleep? Did Kevin go with us? All right, he can come. Promise you won't leave him? Yeah. Cross your heart? Cross my heart. What have I got myself into, Ellie? I love you. Can I stay? Can you stay? Well, you're my dog, aren't you? And I'm your master. You are my master? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Good boy, dog. Yeah, good boy. Jesus once traveled to a city whose culture was a whole lot like American culture. And while there, Jesus turns and yells to the crowd, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? And Jesus also says to love God with all our heart and might, our heart, our soul and might, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's life. And then he tells us that there's no greater love than when someone lays down their own life for a friend, for whoever wants to save his own life will lose it, Jesus says. But whoever loses it, loses his life for me, will find it and will save it. In Up, Carl learns that his greatest adventure was giving himself up for Ellie right now. And then for Russell, and even for Kevin, her babies, and Doug right now. Will we learn that too, so help us God? And this in closing, then I'll let you go. Remember that scene of Carl and Ellie's life that ends sad? Well, I have good news. I have gospel, which is good news. In Christ, that sadness doesn't last. <laughs> well, we have a, a, a way more better ending to all of life's adventures. It's not merely... Well, it still stays good because we can keep going to the next one. Because in Christ, our life is eternal. And eternity, well, that's a long time. Never ending. You know, as upbeat as up ends, Carl and Russell and Doug, they'll one day die as well, as will you and I. But guess what? In Christ... The sadness surrounding death 
won't last. It's fleeting because in Christ we live forever and the great adventure will continue forever. In Christ, Carl and Ellie get to be together again forever. Woohoo! Or at least an amen. Amen? And we started the message this morning in the excellent company of the Apostle Paul, so why not end there with him as well? Paul urges us to press on with life's great adventure. I press on, Paul says, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. One might even say upward in Christ Jesus. And all of this discussion this morning triggered because Hollywood gave us a cartoon called Up that everyone is talking about. Extraordinary, really, that opportunity. We can talk about it, too, and it seems to me we should. And we can use it, even it, to point people to God and that great adventure called Christianity. And I pray God gives us many such opportunities to live for and to point others to the great adventure of a life in Christ, loving God and loving others. Because that's the great adventure of Christian life and witness. You read it every time you come in this room. The great adventure of Christian life and witness is risking self to love God and love others and trusting God with the favorable outcome. That's what makes life an adventure. So, my fellow Coloradans, Saddle up your horses. We've got a trail to blaze because life is indeed a great adventure. Let's do it. So help us, God. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity in life, the opportunity in life to love God and love others at the risk to self and trusting you with a favorable outcome, that adventure. Help us, Father. Help us. Give us the strength, the courage, the humility to do just that. Help us to live life in the right now, in the present, and whatever you give us, even in the moments of this day, help us, Father, to seize that opportunity, seize the moment to love, to love you and love others. We love you, and in Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please, for the benediction this morning, God's blessing, his good words. I chose something from the book of James. James gives us these good words. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. See you at Up Tonight. I know it feels like you watched the whole movie, but there's so much more. Come watch this delightful movie, 7.30 in the gym. Come an hour early to hang out. And also take a friend. In fact, take both of your friends, and we'll see you tonight. God bless you all.